Hello and welcome to this AFL Live. We, we are back in lockdown and back on Zoom. So apologies for the audio quality, but I am your host, Alison Smirnoff, and I'm once again joined by my co-hosts, Rachel Hibbert. Hello. And Susan Cadman. Hi, fam. So just to check in, how are we all doing? Hibber's tucking into a maxi bon as we speak. <laughs> Do you know what it is? It's treat yourself Tuesday. That is fair enough. Done a big running sesh. Eat uh-huh. a maxi bon. My secret's out. <laughs> How are you, Caddy? Uh, look, I think that I would not alone in saying that it's been a difficult few days for many people in Melbourne. Um, I think the trauma associated with the snap or sorry, the circuit breaker lockdown has um, felt heavy, really heavy actually. Um, and I'm pretty flat, flat as a tack. Everyone around me is feeling the same. It's really hard to get going at the moment, I think, because I think that sense of dread is just hanging over everybody. Um, Thank God we managed to keep going with AFLW on the weekend because, geez, that's all I did. Don't know about you guys, but yeah, I had my I, two hours of yard time. Then I watched AFLW and that was it. Yeah, so, I, I don't know how I actually survived the other lockdowns without AFLW. <laughs> I know, I know. So, you know, a little ray of light in our um, set little miserable weekend down here in Melbourne um but you know what the only way is up and so I'm hoping that we have some good news tomorrow anyways everyone's sick of talking about COVID and lockdown so I'm gonna not even harp on it too much but how are you going Al? Yeah look I'm okay um I think the first couple of days I was quite I was a bit numb but then I kind of got into watching the footy and into the, you know, footy group chats that I'm in and interacting with people on, on Twitter and stuff. And so I kind of have been able to, especially over the weekend and, um, and Monday night as well, Monday night footy, um, you know, I've been able to kind of keep myself occupied with something that I enjoy. <laughs> There's lots of silver lining to, to being for, forced to slow down just as things are getting real heckers. So that's, I reckon that's something that we can all always be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. I bring this back to the last five days or four days, whatever it's been. I bring it back to football by saying that the hardest part about being told to be locked down again is the unattainable goal of whatever it is because we don't have guidelines what constitute a win in the eyes of the government who were making us be locked down. So I think to, to help anyone understand from other states who are listening to bring it back to footy, there's no, you've scored more goals than the other team, you win. It's you just wake up in the morning and do the same thing because we don't actually know if after five days we're out of it or not. But in saying that, we are now equipped with all of these things to do that have helped us get through the last 12 months. So we pull on all of those things that we've gathered, I guess, our friends watching the footy, 
whatever it is to get through. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just applauding everyone for, for doing that and for snapping into things so quickly, even though it's just been a bit shit. So um, it's great to see you guys in this form. The fact that we can do it is great. We've learned how to do it. Um, and it gives me hope that if ever I move overseas, I'll still be involved with this AFL life. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's get into the footy. Positives and RFIs from the weekend. Caddy. Okay, okay, ready? My positive, my most favourite, I'm not even joking, my most favourite moment of AFLW so far, Gabby Seymour from Richmond Tigers, <laughs> outmarking Livingston and celebrating with absolute joy and surprise um, and excitement was the most pure thing. Like you can't see that footage and not have your heart warmed from, you know, even my cold, cold, icy heart was melted by that um, passage you play. <laughs> Don't even care that she didn't kick the goal. It doesn't even matter to me in the end. I just think that was just um, really, really lovely. And by all accounts, she is a really, really um, lovely girl, a cross-coder. She's an elite volleyballer and she's only just started playing footy and the coaches put her down there to do exactly that. And she was just really stoked that she managed to pull it off and against possibly the most, one of the most elite defenders in the league. So good on you, Seymour. That was amazing. Yeah, it was beautiful, wasn't it? It was just, like you said, just pure joy. <laughs> that was so cute. I know that that's a terrible word to describe it, but as soon as she jumped up and down, I was like, oh. <laughs> What about you, Al? Do you have a positive? Oh, look, I probably have a few. I mean, I was quite pleased that Carlton won. Um, I was a little stressed watching that game. I ate a whole bowl of popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> what kind Just, of popcorn? Just normal salted, buttered? What was the bite? Um, well, I actually made it at home on the stove, really old-fashioned. Oh, ah, yeah, so Bit of salt, bit of melted butter. Very nice. Ate the whole bowl. <laughs> but the blues one, so that's fine. So that's positive. But I think I also have to say the Melbourne, North Melbourne game, which was just phenomenal. Like we've just been treated to some really great games of footy so far this season, but that game was just epic. Just the way Melbourne moved the ball, especially in that second quarter, and then you knew, you knew North was going to come back, and then they did, and then that last quarter was just like a titanic struggle. And can I just say, Daisy Pierce? Oh my god, amazing! Just some the of the punch things, out of literally yeah, flying like Superwoman, and the smother going back mm -hmm. with the flight, just her positioning, just incredible. She's just an absolute champion of the game. I concur. What were your other positives, Al? Anything else? You um, said you had a few. Well, I think also just um, just the, like, week on week, Ellie Blackburn and Elise Parker just seem to be getting better and better as well. Like, they're just blowing me away. Yeah, and I, like, really enjoyed in the Giants game hearing Ellie Blackburn commentating and yeah. talking about Elise Parker. Yeah. Is there something... That? Yeah, I think there's just something so great about having current players commentating 
games. Like, mm. it's isn't it just really, really um, genuine to hear, you know, Alec Blackburn singing Elise Parker's praises, you know, as probably the one, you know, the two of them are going head to head as probably the the form players, you know. They're the roles. only. They're the only two team, uh, two players rather, who have made the team of the week for the last three rounds. Yeah, which is epic. And I think I agree. I think it's so refreshing, and it helps them both on field and off field. That when you know when Blackburn comes up against Parker, she'll know her game inside out. Yeah, and I love it because it's just another thing that makes AFLW unique. Mm-hmm. I remember when I used to work at Carlton and occasionally, and it wasn't even in season, it was usually just in the pre-season games. Our, like our media team used to be really against our players doing guest commentary in case they said something slightly controversial that would give an opposition team ammunition. And it's just like, it's just so backwards. And, you know, I mean, I know footy's changed probably since I was working in it, but I just, I just love how refreshing and unique AFLW is, you know, even at that level in the coverage of the game. And I think, I don't know about you, but I'm learning a whole, a whole lot listening to these, these women talk about each other playing. Um, just that, I mean, I know in AFLM we're used to having the old fellas um, commentating the games and, you know, that's, it's, it is a valuable insight to have ex-players commenting, but we're talking about, these people who are running the same kind of plays, the same kind of structures exactly at the same time, being able to comment on, you know, position, positional play and um, sort of who's dominating where and, and picking, and they're really good at picking up these players who, to be honest, you haven't really heard of, but they know them really well. So it just shows how much work they're doing as well as players and as commentators to learn, um, you know, every individual within a team's role. I think it's really impressive. I've been really impressed with it. And my, my last positive from the round, um, they didn't get the wins, but I feel like Richmond and, and West Coast, particularly in the first half, you know, really just putting in improved performances. And I just think it's really encouraging. And obviously, you know, all like their list builds are at different points, obviously to the inaugural teams, but you can't deny that they they are improving. It was really excellent. The first half of footy between Brisbane and West coast, even more impressive was Brisbane's ability to pull away. I think they just played some epic football, but um, I was texting my cousin, Eleanor and the texts were, Oh my God, West coast. Oh my God, this is great. Wow. Did you see that goal? Look at them. Imagine if West Coast won. And then I stepped away from the TV for half an hour and the text just said, oh, no. (laughs) Um, Brisbane had just run away with it. But I I agree. I think they put in really solid performances. And and Richmond had plenty of the ball as well. Um, They kicked 4-7. So I think that is an indication of um, perhaps they just need to know where the big sticks are. Um, But, yeah, I agree. That was really good. What about you, Hiba? My positive was also the game between Melbourne and North Melbourne. I think it was like watching the um, match a few years ago, which was the Victorians versus the All-Stars. It was the same quality of football that we saw there um, in terms of just some (laughs) big names just going 
up against each other and then the new new age kids coming through as well like hanks was just amazing mm. um i think she was up there with disposals um with paxi as well um the the goal kicking was great um nine six to eight three was the score so it was a very entertaining game as well and i know people will not like the fact that i don't think low scoring football is not entertaining but i think higher scoring football is more entertaining <laughs> and my other positive was Britt Benici for Collingwood. Mm. She dominated. She had 30 disposals um, for the match and they were good disposals, like thir- 31, sorry, 31 disposals. Um, just shows the dominance that's coming through. Um, and I think Caddy mentioned the leadership on field that Collingwood have as well through Brie Davy and Steph Ciocci, and that was really evident on the weekend. Um, when push came to shove. So yeah, that's, they're my positives. I'm just going to take a moment to jump in there because I was just, um, you know, as you do just being nosing, nosing around the back of my housemate's car earlier and happened across this, uh, this document here, which I'm showing these two is a AFL Victoria record from 29th to 30th of August 2015. So we're at six years ago here. And I just wanted to pull out a few things, um, which I just think is fantastic, noting the weekend that some of these players have had. In a bit of a review of a couple of the, the Div 1 Premier League games, we had a couple of names standing out to me. Sarah Darcy, buoyed by the return of Brianna Davey. The Sharks move the ball well. Enter young gun Britt Benici, whose two final term goals put the Sharks within a goal midway through the final quarter. It was then up to Mohope to slot through a 66 for the season, edging the Sharks in front of the Devils and into the finals. So that's the Premier League. So we, Britt Benici, who we've just spoken of, this is six years ago, already making the mark in the Premier League of Victoria. Mm. And now, I mean, she's always been a superstar, but just... Funny that I put that I found this um, this old document um, just after she's had such a dominant game on the weekend. Division two players to watch: Brooke Lockland, Deanna Berry. Uh, I could go on, but I just think um, I just love seeing how far footy's come in six years. Like, the, I mean, it's awesome that there's a record here that you can flick through and, and you know have some of that. There's, there's nothing like having it in your hand, you know, all this, this yeah. information. But I just think it's really special that those players are still going and they're still leading the way yeah. in the league. I think it's really, really great. So, yeah, I just thought, um, yeah, I just thought I'd just mention that. That's so cool. I love this. is, And that's the, the thing, that having the physical record in your hands, in your mitts, that you can you can look back on and um, that is so cool, Caddy. Shout out to Moz for that one. Is that in the I back of Moz's car? Yeah, just to give Moz a shout out. Grand Final Division Four preview. <laughs> Brunswick players to watch out tomorrow. So also in the same document. Just put on it your Moz. Just saying. Well done, Moz. Okay, now it's time for our RFIs. Um, I'll jump in with an RFI. Hit us, Al. 
first of all, I think I need to make an apology to Pot Dog Twenty One who sent in a question last week about umpiring and whether the game was over-umpired. And I said, no, it's not. But I think it was over-umpired. There was some, I felt like there were a couple of games where some soft things got paid. I can't think of a specific example, but I think there were a couple in the Adelaide Frio game. So discuss. <laughs> Okay, can I just say that I also cop some flack, Alison? Um, yeah, right. I think this I didn't. is a topic of, yeah, <laughs> good on you, Hiba, on you, mate. I'm just, my point was about protecting people's heads and I'm okay with that. But uh, it did cause some, I had some helpful feedback from a few listeners <laughs> about um, that, who disagreed with me that the umpires were focused on actually protecting the head and they were in complete agreement that they were trying to be overprotective of the players. Um, and I have to say, I think the difference between the Fremantle-Adelaide game and then the Richmond-Collingwood game, I felt that the, the Crows-Fremantle game, the umpires wouldn't put down the whistle. But the Richmond-Collingwood game, things seemed to be much more free-flowing and it was much the, the, the Crows-Fremantle game was a really hard nut game, but it just felt more organic in the Richmond-Collingwood game. Um, okay. So either of you have any RFIs? Yes, I do. I have one more that I'd really like to talk about, which is goal kicking, as in kicking it through the big sticks, not the little sticks. <laughs> I think there were two, of the game. I know, and I know I talk about this all the time, but you know, goals win games, and I think I think there were two games that I have in mind in particular: the Crows Fremantle game. Lack of already mentioned was excellent. Um, really, really hard fought contest. I mean, Crows did really well considering the injuries and and whatnot. Um, maybe waited a little too long to swing Phillips up forward, but that's all right. That's not my choice. Um, I think that there were opportunities in that game if they had just like really easy goals and, you know, even the magnificent Aaron Phillips um, had a couple of misses, which were a bit out of character. Um, they would have swung that game, you know, and who knows what could have happened. Same with Richmond. They really matched Collingwood in so many ways over the park. Um, actually, you know, in, in terms of stats and intensity and actually played four great, get, like, really good quarters of football. They didn't fall away after half time. They really, really stuck to their guns. And, but again, my God, some of those misses... They're coach killers, I tell you, because they did so much. It was so much work for them to get the ball in the right place to then just miss goals. Oh, it's just, uh, it really kills the momentum. And I think, um, I mean, I know it's being a forward's a tough, it's the toughest position, I think, on the field, like, because most of the game's in your head, because all of these players can kick goals. They're all excellent kicks of the football, but it appeared to me that the pressure got to some players over the weekend and it's just really disappointing because um, perhaps the results could have swung a different way. You never know. We won't ever know because um, 
we didn't get to, the goals didn't go through the big ones. We actually have a really funny joke going at our team at the moment. I think it's funny. Um, at our camp over the weekend, last weekend, there are a heap of team building activities which we completed in our lines. And the forwards ended up winning the various competitions, the culmination of these competitions throughout the weekend. However, and I said, I am quite happy to give you the win from the camp as long as you can kick goals on the weekends. <laughs> fair? He, was a bad, he was a bad loser. I'm just going to put that Horrible My loser. won a fair and square. Horrible loser. JC, if you're listening, you need to watch Pitch Perfect. Anyway, <laughs> that's all I'll say. Um, no, no, I think it's fair. And I think um, it's widely acknowledged that when you're playing in the forward line, it is the result of the hard work of the rest of the team. And I would always implore any forward to really value every possession you have with a football because you're probably not going to see much of ball in your hands in a game. So you've got to make every possession count. And I think um, it is obviously very disappointing when you miss goals, but um, yeah, I think I'm just a little bit disappointed because I think I really do think that, some of those really easy misses were momentum swings in the game. And I'm excited by the thought of what could have happened if they'd gone in. You raise a really good point also, because I think West Coast probably suffered a bit from that as well. Like their pressure, particularly in the first half, was absolutely relentless. And they had so many looks at goal, but just didn't capitalise. And then, you know, Brisbane would take it down the other end and score. And it's just like like you said, coach killers and, and just the team not getting that reward for effort. I wonder, is that something that, um, that AFL, this is an open question, that AFLW teams do a lot of at training or is it something that they're expected to do outside training? Because I know when we're doing line work, Caddy, you're obviously doing lots of line movement and that kind of thing. But is there any focus on kicking goals? It's really hard to fit in goal kicking into a training session. Um, I mean, I think you'll find that most forwards will come early or late to a session. I imagine AFLW, if they're allowed, obviously COVID um, restrictions pending, but um, you really need to take the time outside of your training to just be doing just kicking a goal. It sounds really, really, it's just muscle memory, a lot of it. And once Mm. you get the muscle memory right, it's about the mental part. And, the issue is you'll never, ever, ever be able to put game, that level of game pressure on into a training session. Like mm. there's just nothing like it. So yeah, it's, it's a hard one to train for. I agree. It's really difficult. Um, it's, yeah. And I think a really good example of someone who has spoken about doing training by their, by themselves as preseason was Dakota Davidson for Brisbane. We've, seen how great a kick at goal she is from lots of different angles and she's an excellent really really exciting forward and she spent time last year during the 2020 men's season watching the Brisbane forwards and their patterns and how they would prepare for goal and she's mimicked that and taken her own spin on it and now she's kicking four goals a game. I'm glad you brought her up because she's my new footy crush. I think she's unbelievable. I love watching her kick a goal. How good's a celebration? Yeah. So this isn't an RFI as such, but Hiba, 
you floated that you wanted just to have a little chat about Geelong and where they might be at. Yeah, we've, well, we've been talking a little bit about the expansion clubs and um, the differences that we've seen throughout um, the last couple of seasons with the addition of expansion clubs and what impact they've had on the competition. And Geelong came in at the same time as North Melbourne and yet haven't had the same impact despite some really exciting players and under-18s that have come through their system as well. Uh, and, yeah, I just wanted to kind of throw it to you guys to see what you think is the difference between the two teams other than <laughs> the Jasmine Garner, Jenna Bruton X Factor at North Melbourne. Well, I think just their strategies were completely different. Um, North went out and got a lot of um, established stars. They had that really strong women's footy connection through their affiliation with Melbourne Uni. They... Um, attracted a lot of players in inverted commas home, um, you know, Carney, Ashmore, those types of players, you know, so I just think that their approach was, was, was much different. And whereas I think Geelong, yes, they, they did get some established stars like, like Mel Hickey and, and Meg Mack and Astor and these type of players, but they really have built their list from the local talent. And, and I think they even said from the outset that they're, it was a long game for them. It wasn't about coming into the competition and dominating. So I think it's just a reflection of how they chose to build their lists. And I, I don't, you know, I think, um, I think you take Mel Hickey and Nina Morrison out of Geelong and that has an impact. So in terms of where they're at now, but I think there are some really encouraging signs and the young talent that they do have on their list is, is good, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think like Liv, watching Liv Purcell play is mesmerising and Demby Taylor is excellent as well. Um, there's, yeah, great, great young guns, but it's just interesting. Yeah, Caddy, have you got any thoughts on it? I think that they haven't got the quality just yet. I think you've got to think of Geelong almost as one of the developing teams like we've mentioned already. Um, they didn't quite get enough star power in early, I think, um, and I really like that they've invested in local talent, but I don't know, was the pool deep enough? I think maybe that's coming through now that perhaps not quite yet. So, um, yeah, it's it's a shame because I think, oh, God, you just put Nina Morrison back in that team and I, I wonder what conversation we'd be having. And I don't, it's a lot of pressure on one person, but I really, really think that she has that, that quality to turn a team around. Before we get into question time, I had a, just a very quick question to both of you from a coaching perspective and a playing perspective. I mentioned in my positives, Daisy Pearce and the influence she had on the game that didn't necessarily reflect on the stats sheet in terms of possessions and, and things like that. But she was really, really vitally important to the game. So I wanted to ask you as a coach and as a player, what stats do you value? Oh, as an individual player, wow, it's so, such a complex question now. As a team, as a or a particular line, you have a different focus. So, I think as a team, collectively, if you're trying to play an attacking style of football, things like uncontested possessions means that there's some good movement of the ball around the field. Um, obviously kicking of well, disposal efficiency is really, really important 
Um, I think you'll find in a game, um, things ebb and flow a little bit, but if you follow the disposal efficiency, it's often, well, it's usually quite a lot in favour of the winning team. And there's a lot in that, obviously. The more you have the ball in your hand and you're in control, the more you, you, you can impact the game. So I suppose, you know, obviously tackles is a really good indicator. Like we really, it's celebrated individuals, their tackle count, particularly midfielders and whatnot. Mm. But sometimes tackles can be seen as a bit of a negative because it means you're getting to the ball second. Mm. And I think um, even within that one stat, you need to be able to interpret it in a way that is in line with your game plan or where you are in the game. So I think that you've got to be careful when you just look at disposals and just think, oh, you know, they've got more, more kicks than them or more handballs than them, so this means blah, because there's so many things that go into that. Mm. Um, yeah. That's absolutely helpful to hear as a player as well because it's often, like you said, it's really interesting to think about something like a tackle, which means that you've laid a tackle, you've trapped the ball in, but it also means, yeah, you've got to it second or third maybe um as a player i think you know who has an impact on the game when you're out there you you know who's getting to the ball who's talking loudly who's useful and so at the end of the day when you look at the stat sheet and if there's someone who literally hasn't touched the ball or hasn't taken a mark or laid a tackle or something that's the person that you probably know already on the field I think you, as a player anyway, and I'm talking as a defender as well because that's just what I know. When I see possessions, I think that's good because it means we've taken possession of the ball. Mm. But it also means that we've seen a lot of the ball and what else does that mean for the team? So for someone like Daisy Pierce, watching her on Saturday night, she had so much impact on the game without necessarily, like you said, Alison, touching the ball or taking a mark. It was punching, it was directing, it was smothering. And those kinds of things don't go on the stat sheet. Mm. Um, But I think it's not just a stat sheet. As a player, you know who has an impact on the game and who has been useful within the team. And useful is a really harsh word, I think, but it's also necessary to establish whether you are useful on the field. If you're not seeing the ball, you're getting out, you're creating space, you're doing all of the right movement patterns, that kind of thing. And your, your leadership group will bring that up with the coaches if they don't see it, that kind of thing. Um, that's what I think. My favourite start, goal assist. Mm. But then Selfless. I think that every single player who's touched the ball before they gets, that, gets that goal, should be in that goal assist stat though because it's only that last you know that forward entry that you've nailed and someone's run onto with the perfect pass you know straight out in front um but someone's gotten the ball to that person and then someone's you know laid a tackle that's created a turnover before that and so you know that's really what you want to reward isn't it the whole team mm. well thanks for that team I guess that was kind of kind of a precursor to question time. Oh, was it? Cool. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, it was your own question. It was my own question, but now okay. let's actually have question time. <laughs> question time. Thank you. Okay, 
Pethy11 wants to know, biggest surprise packet so far in 2021 as in player? Only because I had not followed the NAB league, I'm throwing Jess Fitzgerald into the larger playing field of surprise packets because um, she's a jet. Mm. Yeah. Surprise to me, perhaps not to many others, but surprise to me is Jess Fitzgerald. Yes. Yeah, I have to agree. Like I, I think her all-round ability and her ability to hit the scoreboard like she did last Friday, um, that has surprised me definitely. But then also established players who, are, who I know are great players but that have gone up a level this year and I think Benici and Blackburn in particular fall into that. The other surprise taller package from Western Bulldogs again, um, which I'll throw in is Celine Moody. I really only knew of her sister, um, Brie Moody at Carlton um, and what she'd done at their side of the park. But um, yeah, I think C Moody has had a impact on Western Bulldogs because she wins the tap and then gets it to Ellie Blackburn who then finds the goals or her forwards. Um, So yeah, that's me. Yeah, I think that um, from one end of the youngsters just jumping straight into AFLW and looking so comfortable, like Mackenzie as well, Fitzgerald, um, some of the old, more mature players, let's say. Um, <laughs> Lausanne Owls won in Brisbane in, in a bloody a real informed team. She's controlling that play and, and creating so much of that for Brisbane. And I think um, how exciting is it to see these experienced players who may be reaching nearish the end of their AFLW careers, um, really taking on, taking over a game. And I think Lozano was rewarded with a, with a spot in team of the week this week, um, mm-hmm. of the week which is great. So yeah, that's who I say. Nice one. Um, Next question from at GL Bastiani. Alison, why is Dakota Davidson my new favourite player? <laughs> well, I would like to say it's because she's leading the goal kicking and she does a great goal celebration, but I don't, I, I think it probably is something more stats based with Gemma. So I'm not quite sure. So maybe her <laughs> kicking efficiency or, or something along those lines, definitely stats based with, with Gem. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> next question from at row underscore Kel. Britt Benici has come out firing this season. Amazing work rate in every round. I reckon she's a hugely underrated player, but that could be because of the big name talent across the Collingwood list. Of any team list, who are your underrated players of the season so far? Wow. Question. I, I might know. just pull up the team lists. <laughs> It's a pretty difficult on-the-spot question. I think, and I think, again, she's probably one of those players that, you know, within, within her team, she's not underrated. But I think Beck Beeson uh, at the Giants, like she has just been killing it this year. She's just accumulating so many disposals, contested possessions especially. Um, yeah, I, I would say she's, she's an underrated player. I'm going to throw in Lauren Brazali to the list at Carlton. Mm. Um, again, probably not underrated at her club, but she's one of those people that if you don't know who she is, you'd be looking up her number on the 
on the AFLW app, which should be sorted by number and not by name mm. um, because she sees a lot of the football and she has a great effect and she kicks it long and she gets it into the 50 um, and she runs really, really hard and she's, she's had an impact for Carlton. Um, so she's my underrated for Carlton. Um, Caddy, would you say there's a particular button at Adelaide who has been on your radar? Oh, Hiva, thank you so much for bringing that up, for giving me that lead in. <laughs> ever since we have been, ever since Hannah Button from Adelaide Cruz has been brought to the attention of the pod, I've had a little special interest in watching her play. And I think she is a tackling machine. Three rounds in, has laid 24 tackles. That's pretty impressive. I just think that for someone who's averaging, you know, under 10 disposals, perfect example of someone who can impact a game without the ball in their hands. And I think do yourself a favour and keep an eye on little number six for the Crows. I really like the way she goes about her footy. Is she the hardest button to button? <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. Okay. At Ahibs underscore 19. Hey. Hi, hi, it's me. <laughs> Just using this to remind myself to ask tonight, do you think we've seen any sort of travel slash restriction bias amongst the teams thus far? Okay, thanks. Every state has had restrictions throughout the season. I knew I had to write this down somewhere because I'm really <laughs> bad at remembering. It's, and then I will do a really crap thing like text my friend saying, I had something really important to tell you, but I've forgotten it. So that's why I sent a tweet. Um, that is exactly my question. And because every state has had restrictions of some sort, Perth had a like three day lockdown or week lockdown. Adelaide had a three day lockdown. Um, we've now had a five day lockdown on top of everything else. GWS were put in lockdown a few times. Gold Coast and Brisbane had a weekend in lockdown, I think, when there was the UK strain found in Brisbane and they had to have a lockdown. Anyway, I just wondered if you guys thought anything of the travels and whether they've affected your opinion on the game at all. Do you think it's all evened out by now? I reckon it kind of has. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think... Um, it would have definitely impacted in some way most teams. I mean, even the fact that we've talked about this already, that they're learning who they're playing two days before they're playing. <laughs> um, and I think Fremantle had packed their bags ready not to return after the game and then back they go again. Um, like, it's, there's got to be so much mental preparation that goes into playing an AFLW game that you're not able to really prepare for with such uncertain circumstances. That's without even having the physical limitations of being in lockdown and not being able to train properly and then turning around and playing a game. And, um, but in terms of across the, across the, um, the whole AFLW, it feels a little bit like it's evened out. Most mm. teams have had a pretty rough go. Possibly a couple of the Melbourne teams who haven't had to travel or whatnot yet maybe have missed some of that travel um, mm. tiredness as well. But I don't know. I mean, I'm sure people will completely disagree, but it feels like it's all even down a little bit. Mm. 
Well, yeah, I, I say this because I spoke to our favourite um, Sarah Perkins about her travels um, to go and play against GWS. And she said it felt like that day was a day of international travel because you, you get up so early and you travel and then you play a game of football and then you travel again. Um, but I also wanted to reassure any players who might be listening that it doesn't seem to be affecting their quality of football that they're producing. And that whilst you feel tired and you feel exhausted, congratulations, because we really can't tell Mm. Um, you're still producing a really great product. What do you think, Al? Do you you think it's evened out as well? I think I kind of feel like it has evened out a bit. Um, Like I'm really happy for the Giants girls to have had some back-to-back games Mm in Sydney like that just, just to be at be, home is nice just to be at home and in your own space and stuff yeah. and you know and Melbourne did have to travel interstate they did that trip up to the Gold Coast you know but I, I do kind of feel like it's evened out and I just and like you say Hibs like credit to all of the players for the way they're approaching this and all the uncertainty mm. and they're just kind of rolling with the punches and it's been amazing yeah <laughs> Um, next question at data kid 23 is Roy and HG meets Helen razor at the footy, the best descriptor of the TV show that you would make as in the three of us. (laughs) Now, are you old enough to know who Helen razor is? I'm Googling back in the nineties. She used to be the breakfast host on triple J with Mikey Robbins. Well, I don't. Well, I'm going to leave this both to you um, to answer. Well, I just want to know who is Roy, who is HG, and who's Helen Razor. <laughs> I also want to know who's Fatso, the the, the <laughs> wombat. wombat. Um, I think that's a great descriptor. I don't know who I want a shotgun though. Yeah, well, maybe <laughs> maybe we can put it to our listeners: who, who is who, who's Roy, who's HG, and who's Helen Razor. Yeah. Yeah, pop so. out a poll, Al. Yeah, but, uh, but excellent. We, we like the sound of that. Thanks, Data Kid. So at Dave2718, are the Dockers the competition benchmark? Well, yep. with 10 wins in a row, I would say yes. Yes. And I think their win over Adelaide was just kind of r- rubber stamped that. Yes, I think they are the benchmark. I'm just saying yes, they are. They are. So Brisbane. <laughs> yeah. A little underrated team, Brisbane. Never I, think Brisbane I think Brisbane are up there, but I think they will need to pull out something special to beat a, the Frio team. I hope that they do play each other. Yeah. <clears throat> Next question, Econish42. Hi, Eleanor. Which player do you believe has improved the most since last season? Um, a player that I have taken more notice of this season who I think has taken control of her team's backline and the game and therefore improved because I didn't particularly notice her doing this last season in the four games that she did play um, is Tani White from St Kilda. Um, She's coming back off an ACL reconstruction, but I feel like you would not be able to tell. She's fearless when she goes to contests She's absolutely giving it to the forwards that she comes up against, no matter their size, no matter their status. Um, she's really just playing some great football. Mm. Um, so she's, yeah, she's someone I've noticed has come onto my radar 
as improved. Yep. Well, I feel like, I mean, I feel like Ellie Blackburn, I've got two. First one's Ellie Blackburn. And just from what we've said in previous weeks, that we all knew that she was a really great player, but she seems to have taken it like to another oh, level yeah. and just like bringing her team put, along put on, on her back. The burners. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think my other one is Dakota Davidson, just her mm, impact, mm-hmm. her impact in front of goal. I think last season, she only kicked two goals last season from six games and she's already kicked seven this year from three. So I think wow. she's, yeah, she's becoming a really dominant forward. Um, the only other person I was thinking is, I mean, Gemma Horton, like I always keep talking about her. Um, I know she was, she's been around a while. Um, another player possibly on the Ellie Blackburn type trajectory has already demonstrated in a few rounds and taken her game to another level, another level as in she can win or lose a game. I feel like she's the kind of player you can win or lose a game off her boot. Mm. Um, it's sort of, I feel like it's a cop out saying good players are getting better, but it's just, uh, I just, you can't help but notice players like that. Um, yeah. I mean, you could probably pick a player from every team and go through them in detail and, you know, mm. how they've improved and where. And But just set a, you know, immediate response. I think um, my first response was definitely Ellie Black. The two that you picked out were the ones that stood out to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Mitch underscore FC. We've got some regulars, haven't we? We do have some regulars. I like it. How good is it? seeing forwards kick bags and who is your favorite forward in the game i would put up Gemma houghton and dakota davidson yeah i've i've already called new new fangirl for dakota i think has she i think ah she's just such a good kick at goal um i'm big on that train not forgetting my old friend G train killed her (laughs) i haven't forgotten still still following closely but um, I suppose we're seeing the, we're seeing Dakota kick more goals, which is what brings your attention to some of these forwards more. Mm. But I agree, bags of like kicking bags of four goals in is unreal in AFL. I think really yeah. we're starting to see that regularly in AFLW, and I think it's been a, it's been a while coming, but I think that's here to stay, and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Look, I think I've got. I don't know if I can narrow it down to just one forward. Sorry, Mitch underscore FC. Dakota's pretty exciting. Um, I love G-Train. But someone actually probably who could go into the most improved category, maybe Kate Shearlaw. Not so much goals kicked, but her contested marking has just been next level this year. I've been really impressed. She's improved heaps. I love watching Erin Phillips play. She's a really great forward. Mm. But I, I also agree. I think Dakota Davidson is my new footy crush as well, Caddy. So I'll fight you if she comes down to Melbourne <laughs> Bring for an on. autograph. Yeah, or a double cobra. We'll, yeah, we'll be there. Well, actually, will we? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay. Last question from PT Court underscore official. Why do you call Elise O'Day June? Ah. Um, now, there is... A backstory to this, and Elise O'Day was actually on the show a few years ago, and she did actually explain the nickname. Oh yeah, so 
back in the day when I showed up to Belcon and Magpies, there was another girl there called Elise. Um, like her, obviously her parents knew it was such a good name, so they named her <laughs> as well. So can't blame her. But um, then one of the girls from the club was like, "Yeah, we'll just call this one Junior because she's younger." And oh, it just stuck, and mm. like it just stuck. It, it followed me down here to Victoria. But yeah. these days we refer to you as June, June, because Be- you've. Mature, matured, and grown up, and <laughs> so you're the mature version of Junior. That's it. June. That's it. It's a beautiful name. <laughs> How complex are footy nicknames? Honestly, they're really, really complicated. It's great though. Yeah, my, fa- my favorite, my favorite one this season is one that I've done, and a girl called Angie turned up at training, Alison, and she's excellent. Mm. She's young, um, seventeen or something, mm. and her surname is Rybelt, I think, and yep. someone. Someone told me that her surname started with K, so I called her AK. And then after three weeks, she came up to me and she's like, why do you keep calling me AK? And I was like, Isn't, aren't they your initials? And she's like, no, it's AR. And by this time, people had started calling her AK. So now she's AK. <laughs> that is brilliant. Yeah. So moving right along to our next segment. Would you rather? So... I, I did have a would you rather, but some of our listeners are actually sending in would you rathers. So thank you. Would you rather hear mine or our listeners? Oh no, that's <laughs> not a question. Bring on the listeners. <laughs> Thanks for doing all our hard work for us yet again, listeners. Okay, Ellen B. Positive. Would you rather North's midfield, King Carney, Riddell, Bruton, Gavalis? Or an entire midfield of four Aliso days. I'm thinking my head says north, my heart says Aliso days. I'm saying north because four Aliso days would run into each other. What do you mean? Because they're so hard. They're just a hard nut. Yeah. And June running at the ball is terrifying. Imagine four of those from the same team. Terrifying. Yeah. Know your role, play your role. I go North Melbourne. Oh, variety is the spice of life. You got to have some different, different bodies and different players in there. But it's a pretty funny visual, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's tempting. It's really tempting. It is really tempting. I'd love yeah. to see how that'd go. Okay, Scooby Snacks. Would you rather be in lockdown with an AFLW team during the season or during the off season, and which team? I would rather be in lockdown with the Collingwood football team in the off season because <laughs> they look like they have a lot of fun and they've yep. got a few Irish girls who I could learn some Gaelic football off or practice my accent on. <laughs> Excellent. Um, this is a cop out, but I'm going to say Carlton in the off season. Shock me. I choose to be different. I'd like to choose a team to be in lockdown with in season because it really would allow me to get a deep dive on a team and that team that I would love to know a lot about, and particularly work rate and culture and all of those things is St Kilda because I think Peter Searle is really building something special down there and there's a lot of young players that are coming through as well as, you know, those old heads. And I think that I'd be really, really interested in seeing how they're working together to get through 
lockdown in season. So mm. that's my choice. I'm the more professional of the three of us. I would love to learn more <laughs> about how AFLW players and their footballing ability, not their ability to go to the pub. <laughs> I said have fun. That doesn't necessarily mean the pub. That is true. Okay. Hetero underscore upsetero has actually sent in two. The first one <laughs> this is actually really funny. Um, <laughs> would you rather train at Casey Fields or, or change your name to Casey Fields? <laughs> I mean, I'm not driving out to Casey, so I'm changing my yeah. name at this point. <laughs> call, me, call me Casey. Oh call me Casey. <laughs> oh We're all Casey. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. No, I think I'd rather... I think I'd rather <laughs> I think I'd rather train there and then have the two of you turn up. Uh, and um, that's, that's quite good. Um, uh, and the last one, would you rather have the skills of Paxman but you have to rock her mullet or have the skills of Daisy but you have to birth twins? Oh, oh God. That's really I, think, I think my name's Casey Fields and I have a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> twins, Al, me and you. We are not the twins that Daisy birthed, though. No. <laughs> Could you imagine? Jesus. <laughs> no, it's got to be the mullet for me. Um, would love to play football at Daisy Pierce, but I mean, incredible that she's managed to bounce back the way she has from having twins. As a side note, but no, it's a, uh, it's a mullet for me. Well. I'm going to break the mould yet again and say that I think I'd rather have Daisy Pierce's skill, including her off-field skill of being an excellent commentator and media commentator and lots of other things that she does that's wonderful. And birth. Am I birthing her children or am I birthing twins for my own? <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's no Either way, it's traumatic and I'm going to have to have twins, but that's what I'd rather do. Sorry, Paxi. Okay, round four, what are we most looking forward to? I'm thinking that North Collingwood at Marvel Stadium will be awesome. It'll be even better if we're allowed to go and watch it. That's my excitement. Yeah, that's going to be a cracker of a game. But I'm just, I'm just looking forward to the fact that we can still keep watching AFLW. I'm just so appreciative right now. Yeah, fingers crossed we still can um, watch, yeah, could continue with AFLW for the rest of the season in however many fixture sh shuffles that we have. Um, what I'm looking forward to most is Paxi versus Blackburn, Ooh. Sunday Arvo. Yeah. What a ripper. How good's it going to be? I didn't realise that was happening. Battle of the Titans. Well, Paxi v, v Carney was pretty bloody entertaining last week. Fire, <laughs> wasn't it? It was pure fire. Yep. So bring it on. Footy, Huge. footy, footy. Thank you, Caddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, so a little over a week ago, um, Rana Hussein, who is part of the Outer Sanctum crew, she put up a tweet thread and it really... Uh, it really hit home for me as someone that has worked in the women's sports space for the last six years or so. And bear with me as I, as I read it out to you. 
Um, a lot, though not enough, gets made of AFLW athletes working other jobs while also playing the game at the highest level. It's worth noting that most of the women calling, reporting on, podcasting, writing about AFLW are also working other jobs and are paid little, if anything. These women are working for free in their spare time to provide quality coverage. Even a five-minute spot on the radio takes know-how, research and watching games. These women are lent on for their expertise and unique understanding of women's football, the community and the game. Major outlets cover women's footy using their insights, work and IP often, with personalities and journalists on the payroll getting the bylines and the bigger paychecks. Picture the kind of coverage AFLW would have if these women didn't do the work. Imagine what they could do if they were hired and therefore had more time to research, extend themselves and be innovative in the space. Women's footy is held up off the back of women working for free everywhere. So it got me thinking, I, I really love doing this AFL life and I have done it for a number of years. Um, I think we have a lot of knowledge and expertise uh, because we've existed in this space for many, many years. So to help us keep doing what we're doing, we have set up a support page on a platform called buymeacoffee.com. Um, and you can find our page at buymeacoffee.com forward slash this AFL life. And if you like what we do, you can, for $5, buy us a beer, or you could buy us several beers, or you could even become a yearly supporter of what we do. Uh, but it's totally obligation free. It's just if you like what we do and you want to help us. But yeah, this is not something that I would normally do. But as I said, Rana's tweet really kind of hit home for me about the number of hours I've put in for free in this space, um, both at my community club and just on the various projects that I've worked on throughout my time in women's footy. So, yeah. And that's um, awesome, Al. And I thank you for making us sound yeah. cohesive because without you, we wouldn't be able to function in this format at all because I'm a nufty and so is Caddy. Um, yeah, we're useless. <laughs> we're absolutely useless. Basically, Heber and I turn up for a couple of hours on a Tuesday night and then we go at L, and then we go our work is done and walk away and then I'll produce a beautifully polished podcast for you all to listen to um, by the end of the week and I tell you what I know how much we shit we dribble and it's an incredible job that you do and that's only one of your many projects that you, particularly in AFLW season I know you're a busy busy lady so um, I think it's great even for people who would love you to buy. It's not really buying us a beer. It's buying Ella beer just to, shout, just to show your support and appreciation for what she does in the space. Um, also helps cover costs for all the IT and podcast things that I don't understand and don't care to. <laughs> um, but I know that there are some. So, yeah, uh, don't... Um, I think don't be ashamed of putting putting it up there, Elle. And I really, I do believe our listeners are, are on the same page and I think um, encourage them to show support if you can. Obviously, everyone's in their own situation, but um, yeah. Thanks, Caddy. No whackers. Why is it so hard as women, though, to ask for support? <laughs> what is yeah. it? What? Why? Why do we yeah. not do it? <laughs> I know. I don't know. We're the first ones to give it and the last ones to ask for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because 
I mean, not just me, like I've been active in this space, you know, from about 2015, but Caddy, like you've been involved in women's footy for many, many years before that, you know, so the value that we add to this community and this landscape is, you know, and knowledge that we have is immense. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess you don't think of it that way, do you? You always do it for the love. Mm. Um, But sometimes it gets to a point where enough is enough and it's time to be properly acknowledged as people, as those in the media particularly do for their expertise. So yeah, check it out fam. Um, all the links will be in the show notes um, and we'll put it up on our socials. If you don't already follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at this AFL life. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Hopefully next week we won't be on zoom because It is a pain in the ass. (laughs) But we'll see you all next week. Stay safe, everyone. See you later.